Hi, welcome to Going Off Track. Hi, who's this on the screen? Oh, hi, everybody. It's Stephen. It's good to see and hear you. Yes, I can see you. I'm behind you right now. That's how podcasts work. Stephen, former host of Stephen's Untitled Rock Show on Fuse. Yes, if you were um, born when it got canceled, you would be eight years old now. <laughs> Is it really that long? <laughs> we got canceled in 2008. Really? Yeah. Jonah's getting old. Well, because I guess I... Just like me. I've, yeah, in February, <laughs> I'll have lived here for 10 years. Congratulations. I will have lived here for New York like... Longer than I lived, I lived in New York. 100 years. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't stay. We, God, we, I moved there in 2002 and left in two, end of 2009. So Yeah, Stephen literally moved out of the East Village like two months after I moved there. <laughs> that was a That's cool why. move. It's like, great. Now, fuck. Now, I will say they did officially... That's not true. They canceled the show on... Yeah, I guess it was 2008. But then, then my my contract at Fuse got canceled the week we bought our house. So that's kind of the epitome of a cool move. <laughs> and look how well they've done without me. Yes, so much better, so much better. That channel. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't have cable, so I just I just basically watch like old like Metallica interviews on YouTube. That's that's valid. Yeah. I just watched that year and a half in the life of Metallica making of the Black Album documentary. I haven't watched since I was like in high school. <laughs> and it's them making the album with Bob Rock. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody else told me about this. They it's said it was really incre- good. It's really good. But they, there's some amazing moments where like James Hetfield's like kind of is losing his voice and Lars wants him to sing the vocal. Lars comes off like such an asshole right. in all of these documentaries. And Lars is that's like, just, just shocking. Just, <laughs> he's like, just sing the chorus and verse. He's like, it feels like you want to hear the vocals then sing it <laughs> like and it's like and then there's a whole section basically where everyone says they hate Lars and then they cut to Lars he's like yeah I don't know man I know I'm kind of hard to work with but I want this song to have like a swing to it you know what I mean like bop do da do yeah. and you're just like oh my god yeah that's not gonna happen no <laughs> uh, but it is cool that my favorite part of the whole documentary almost is uh, they show Bob Rock and Kirk Hammett working on the solo for Unforgiven and like Bob Rock like really pushing him and then he's like Kirk's like I want to take him to this place and then this plateau and Bob Rock's like then fucking do it man stop talking and fucking do it already and then like they show him ripping this solo it's so awesome anyways today on the podcast Kirk Hammett Kirk Hammett no not Kirk Hammett but almost as good it may be better if you like grindcore uh today on the podcast uh Justin Pearson uh legendary musician from such bands as The Locust Holy Molar Swing Kids, uh, currently plays in Headwound City and Retox, um, and also has a label, 31G Records, as you may as you may know. Um, yeah, J- Justin's been doing this forever. Um, and Retox and Headwound City, both awesome bands, and are both currently active. They're both on tour a lot. Uh, Headwound City recently came out with their album, A New Wave of Violence. Vice put it out. And Retox is on Epitaph, and they recently put out an album. And what's it called? I bet you're wondering. <laughs> uh, I keep thinking of is that that's a lot of documents to sign. It is a lot of documents to sign. Um, it's called Beneath California. It came out last year. Um, and they have uh, music videos for songs such as Die in Your Own Cathedral, Without Money We'd All Be Rich, Let's Not Keep in Touch, and A Bastard Why don't you on pause Father's the podcast Day. and go watch them right now? Yeah. You know what? Actually, I'm glad you said that. What you actually might want to do is pause the podcast, 
and look up Justin's appearance on the Jerry Springer show. Oh, because right. <laughs> we talk about this for, I would say, half of the podcast. Uh, and by the way, I should also add that right before we recorded this podcast, we recorded a podcast with Jeremy Balm of Touche Amore, who is a huge Justin Pearson, Locust, Retox fan. And me and Benny got Justin to stay and guest host this podcast. So this is actually with Justin Pearson and Jeremy Balm. But um, we talk about this Jerry Springer episode so much. It's on YouTube. Um, and you might want to watch it because it's one of the craziest stories, but it almost makes more sense if you watch the clip first. Do you know, do you know, do you know why Jerry Springer is like beyond famous? You know what got him famous? Um, uh, writing a check to a prostitute? That's it. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty amazing move. <laughs> what was his, what was his like reasoning behind wasn't he mayor of cincinnati with that yeah what's the reasoning behind i wonder if he was just like fuck it. i mean <laughs> i wonder if it helped him in some ways because everyone knows about that and i guess yeah. then I he, do. It, it, it's probably in a world we live in where the most popular tv show is based upon a rich girl who had a sex tape yeah you know? it's like that's where we are which is kind of cool that at the end of the day, that shit should matter. Like the answer should be, so what? He got a prostitute and paid for the check. Who gives a shit? You know, like, did that make him a bad mayor? Might have made him a better one. Who knows? You know, but like, I don't know. There's, there's part, I try to, I don't like the silver lining it that way, but just like, it's cool that we shouldn't care. Like certain things you shouldn't be outraged by. Had he shot somebody and gotten a talk show out of it, then I might've been like, that's ah, kind of fucked up. But you know, he paid for sex. And that was your final thought with Stephen Smith. Uh, okay. Up, up next, white supremacist DNA testing. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Justin Pearson and Jeremy Baum on Going Off Track. It's going off track! All right, Justin, what's up, man? Hi, how you Thank doing? Thank you for coming by. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, how's it going? decent yeah uh. <laughs> how's the retoxing going <clears throat> it's it's going you know i mean yeah. it can always be, be better people don't care anymore and you know i mean whatever <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't, don't want to be negative i'm alive and i played to yeah. cool people last night so and i'm in new york so that's rad yeah it's funny we just did a podcast with jeremy who's guest hosting thanks for sticking hi around. jeremy <laughs> and we were talking about how you kind of stay interested in music and new bands and not get totally jaded after doing this for so long and it's really hard yeah well it's weird because i never like there's this like weird concept of success and so like the like the the like textbook concept i've never achieved and so i've just figured out what like another uh, other elements of success are and then i'm and then i can kind of like be grateful for that if that makes sense but don't you i mean i don't you feel like a band like the Locusts? I mean, don't you feel like that's a band where, like, I remember seeing you guys all the time in Cleveland, the Grog Shop and stuff. Yeah. And I remember being a popular band, you know, in that scene, but I feel like you talk about the Locusts now, and people are probably like, that was a huge band. Like, it probably, that stuff gets so built up. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I mean, that's, the problem is, like, not everybody wants to play or be active with that band. So I do other projects, and then it kind of is like, well, we want to see the Locust, not Retox. Or, like, we've never heard of Retox, or we didn't even know you were playing, or we didn't know you were a band. So then it's just like, well, what do I do at that point, you know? Right. Like, I think you have to... Well, for me, my, my perception of it was, like, I had to be in a band for 20 years for people to care or to acknowledge it. So I probably have, like, another 
10 more to go with retox and then we'll be fine. And then someone will quit or die or something. What's well, weird. Cause you would think of that stuff as like almost like working for retox. You would think like, Oh, you have a reference point. Yeah. And it's sonically, it's not like super crazy. Like, you know, like, yeah, but I mean, I mean, I guess so, but it's rare when it ha- like, you know, everyone loved the sex pistols then everyone loved PIL. Right. Like that's cool. But I mean, what, there's other artists, like, what, what's his name from Refused? You know, no one really cared about his other bands as right. much as Refused. That's true. Um, I feel like you get, like, there's, there's like, they're hardcore fans, you know, like, mm-hmm. who a certain percentage are going to follow you from band to band. They love the Locust, so they're curious about what you're going to do, and they go there. But I feel like there's a lot of music listeners who fall in love with, like, times and sure. songs sure. and places yeah. and like what those songs like actually incite some emotion out of something else and this and that and that's kind of all they're interested in yeah it's like a cross i don't know what to do with bands who do those like record tours oh yeah like we're just going out to play, play this record because yeah. there's a part of me as a musician who's like that sucks i know like I would that never must just do that. suck like beginning to end playing this you might as well put it on a fucking boom box <laughs> and and like put the the volume really yeah. loud but then on the other side, like if I personally was going to like a Weezer show and they just played Pinkerton, fine, fine with me. Right. You know what I mean? I want to hear the hits. Yeah. Give me the sure. fucking sweater song of two beers. I'll go home. Is that on Pinkerton? You can see where my reference came <laughs> yeah, from. Not uh, a big Weezer fan. I, I, my heart always goes out to the bands in those situations too, because they, that's them coming to reality that like this is the record that people cared about yeah. nothing else they really i did really mattered as much you know or like often like you have to imagine that's that's in the I psyche i might wind up having to make this decision oh soon. you yeah 59 cents <laughs> um, what's when's a 10 year and 59 cents soon like yeah. a year <laughs> so yeah. there's that and then also no band has ever wrote a record where they every member absolutely loves every single song oh, no so yeah. there's gonna be like the oh, we we never played this fucking song yeah. now i have to learn it and play this shit i yeah. hate this song <laughs> you know like that that's the other side where i'm like i'm i feel a little bad because like, for me i would probably like let's take out one and see who knows notices right, it, right, you right. know i was like i wanted that one you know <laughs> yeah i think that happens a lot though too like I, when i go to those albums i'm like oh like and like yeah someone pointed out we didn't play this song like one person oh, yeah, 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 yeah. it's one person notices who cares yeah oh, you know there's one guy looking for the deep cut yeah. he's yeah. like i'm the proper fan with the old <laughs> yeah. shirt yeah. you're gonna play fucking track nine yeah. for me buddy. <laughs> right 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 but no one else but i also think a lot of that is like this is like i mean like we're probably all in the same relatively same age. I mean, like, especially like a band like the Locust has been, was around so long. It's like how many, it's so weird for me. Like so many people I grew up going to shows with are into that stuff. Just don't, they're married. They have kids. They just like, don't care about music yeah, anymore. Yeah. That I might mean, be part of it. But also I think it maybe the, the Locust kind of, I mean, I'm grateful for this. It was like, it came at a certain time where like, it was sort of like, for the most part, like pre-social media, you know, and so mm-hmm. it was like really more um, like a mystery, you know, and it was and there was all this like controversy around it, like which we never really were, um, you know, per, like promoting or like provoking. It kind of just happened, and we were like, oh, all right, whatever, like we'll just use that to like become more, you know, known or whatever, or like you know the whole like jerry springer stunt that i did or or like the thing with i don't know like if you guys remember jessica hopper and her article I, the the, hit, the, it or quit it thing. hit it or quit it i mean that was like that hit it or quit it thing interview was kind of the like culprit for us starting to wear uniforms uh-huh. because the whole article was like how we were the worst band in the world which is pretty rad because there's only one of those and then <laughs> or the worst band in hardcore or something you know and like yeah, yeah. 
And then it was um, still a grand title. Oh, so we were stoked, yeah. and we were like, "We're not even a hardcore band." And, and, uh, <laughs> and then and it came, later on, I was like, "They're not. They're fake grindcore." We're like, "That's cool. We're not grindcore either." Like, <laughs> right? We'll be, you know, and, and but it like um, it was just so weird because we we were so fed up with the fact that like that uh, that entire like piece w- had nothing to do with the music. It was, it was all about you were like our skinny, and they were like, "Are you like it's not inclusive to, f- to yeah, overweight like, people?" Well, they were stating that we were making it impossible for fat kids to succeed in hardcore and i'm like what do you want us to do like just gain weight and like wear like baggy clothes i mean i was just like i don't know about you but around here fat kids ruled hardcore. <laughs> 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 I, like, I mean maybe southern california had all that like crappy like hollywood stuff you know i don't oh, know okay. maybe like we had to look good or something i don't know like fit you know i mean none of us were fit <laughs> we just didn't eat and we toured all the time and like but you know, i mean even scrappy. geographically it's a little harder to coexist in San Diego massively overweight than it is in New York. Like, like, it's, like it just is. It's, it's more always of an pretty warm. Yep. Yeah, totally. community. And yeah. like New York, you can get away with like kind of being a fat shit a lot, probably. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of stuff that was like put on you guys that like you weren't like, because I remember people being like, oh, this like all these San Diego bands, like this white belt, like yeah. skinny, like, and it's just like, I don't know, this is what I wear. Like, what yeah. do you want from me? Well, it it, it's, seem- it's funny because the, the, the skinny thing, like there were like, you know, whatever, like fat, like more heavier set people, like, but right. it was just like, oh, there's a band that's only skinny people. So therefore like all of them are, I mean, right. Now, I don't want to name anyone, but they're like some of sure. my best friends and, and people that I played and toured with are not skinny. And it's like, well, not everyone's like that, you know? So in the white belt thing, I think there was probably like two people that wore white belts, you know? And like, right. It's looking uh, for a reason to pick a to, fight. Yeah. Yeah. Or to, I mean, everyone did kind of like that whole like nation Ulysses thing kind of trickled down in San Diego a bit with like Antioch arrow and gravity and like right. the, the look, but it was still like, I mean, it was crazy because I remember like, um, that at that, in that era, like heart attack magazine and, and ebullition was very like overtly political. And they were yeah. like always trashing Antioch arrow because they were not political and they had no lyric sheet or maybe they had a lyric sheet, but they were not political. But I was thinking like, maybe they're not telling everyone like, you know, like we hate the government or we hate police brutality, but they were like playing these benefits for women's shelters or animal rights shelters or something. And it's like, like that's political, you know, totally. and they live their lives in this certain you know way that is in is probably a hell of a lot more political than the people that are like out there talking shit. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird reference point, you know. It's uh, yeah. Nothing is funnier than in punk rock being told you need to fit a mold. You're yeah, like, is totally. that why we yep, do this? Yep, it's been happening exactly. like the entire time I've been yeah. in punk rock. Yeah. yeah. Is like that shit. You can yeah. never get away from it. And any counterculture grows like larger than twenty people for more than five years. Just division creates. It's like our human instinct yeah. for, for whatever yeah. reason. Just instant ca- cannibalization of one another. Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah. That is one of the things that I'm really grateful for with the Locust because it, it, we were able to, or are still able to, like have an array of, of of a fan base. You know, it's not just one specific thing. And there are a lot of people that will like criticize us, but at the same time, it's like you know we did do tours like that were ridiculous. Like we did tour with Rocket from the Crypt, and we did tour with Bratmobile, and we did tour with Andrew WK. You know, and then we also toured with Dylan Drake plan and phantomos and so it was kind of like everybody could dig it you know or hate it it doesn't it doesn't really matter we were trying to be like you know inclusive right i, I worked out turner press from like oh two to oh five and jason predigrew would listen just to got yeah. taken off the masthead actually <laughs> and i would listen he would listen to your records all day yeah blast it every day yeah for like years yeah it was insane he probably still does probably. i love that guy yeah there's like three right re- it was like that andrew bouquet record like that Blood Brothers record uh, and Locust, yeah. and that was it. Just, I love that guy, uh, though. I yeah. love how bitter and pissed yeah. off he is. Yes. I just 
his his fire. I mean, he's around all that stuff, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, and I was always grateful, like uh, you know, like you like. I mean, they reviewed an Orthodome record. You're like, you why do you even bother? <laughs> like nobody is that reads Alternate <laughs> Press will ever like that band. So I, I love I love Jason for doing that. Yeah, he's amazing. What what was the Jerry Springer thing? I don't know about that. Oh, you don't know. Yeah. It's I was gonna ask yeah. you to like re. Because it was, like, a fucking big deal to, like, Which kids we, like me and, like, yeah. our scene. Like, really? Yeah. Everybody like, had, like, the VHS copy Because we're, like, of, watching yeah. Jerry Springer being like, dude, the fucking dude from Swing Kids is on yeah. fucking Jerry Springer. And, like, no one knew if it was real. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was, like, the cool <clears throat> part about it. Like, for someone disassociated from the inside, yeah. like me, on the East Coast, just being right. like, that's fucking oh, dude from Swing Kids. I was a total douchebag. We had no idea if you were putting it up if yeah. that was your thing the story i'd always like, heard that it was like schemed yeah, like you of course. Like, yeah, like in the dick. sense of like you guys are let's go on tv and just be yeah yeah funny yeah well, so, it's, it's, well it's weird though because before i did it other other people did it and it kind of even dated back even further i think like i mean like i remember there's that born against song where uh, he was on donahue i called it called right. him donahue so there it was like kind of like there and i remember like when i was younger martine from los crudos was on donahue for breakdancing agnostic front was on that skinhead donahue yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so i was always kind of intri- intrigued by that and like growing up i would see you know jello and gg allen and stuff on oprah or whatever maury or whatever it was and i was like kind of like oh my god and so it just it, the, the opportunity presented itself and we did it can you it, say how the opportunity presented itself we, scott Bybin, yeah you know, that guy uh for, <laughs> you, uh for you know who's also very notorious n- notorious with a lot of people he was um visiting in san diego um he does this record blood link and lost film festival he was in san diego and i don't know what he was doing but you know we were all hanging out in, in my house and and there was the tv was on and they're like they're like, are you in a love triangle? Do you? And he's like, hey, let's call. And so he literally called, and like the four people in the house became the story. Oh, okay. You know? And then so he went home, and we thought like, oh, it's it's not you know like who cares or like it's not gonna um, like we forgot about it you know. And then so like, I don't know, a couple weeks later, like I get this call at four in the morning, and I'm like, son of a bitch who's calling me or like you know like this crazy hour. And it's, and it's like he's like, and this is a house phone. I got yeah yeah landline. Yeah. He's like he's like JP you got to listen to me real quick. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? I'm sleeping. He's like, they're going to call you in like a minute. And it's, it's, you know, so, right. Yeah. So it's like, it was like seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, who? And he's like, Jerry Springer. And the other line beeps like right away. And I'm like, oh my God, they're on the other line. He's like, "They, they want us to go. And I was like, okay hold on and so i like click over and i'm like hello you know and i'm like and i was like you gotta call me back man like i've been and the, the funny thing is i was like i've been you know like i've been on tour like and i was trying to like ham it up and yeah, yeah. It's like, and so then i clicked back over I'm like scott what's going on like what do i do <laughs> right. dude you know and uh and then and then like we kind of like pieced it all together and made it like silly like came up with plot. your story yeah. yeah but the crazy thing is though like i i had actually went there before that episode to film another episode really and it was a similar thing i, I was going there with um chris hathwell from um, he's, he was in moving units and the festival of that deer. And, and then Alicia who ran through and Jew with me also went. So the three of us went as like a love triangle and I was the good guy. And we, it was crazy because we went there and, um, you know, we had this story and, and, um, the, the, they like have different segments. And so the first segment was this Canadian family and they just went like totally nuts and like beat the shit out of each other. And like, and like, it was the real deal. Like I, I, I was kind of freaking out. Like, um, this guy went there to tell his wife that he was cheating on her with eight people and brought the eight people. And then she brought her whole family. So they basically were like, we're just going to send you guys home. Like, we're going to keep them on the whole episode. So then when I went back, like, with the one that aired, they're like, you look familiar. Have you been here before? Oh, and I'm like, nope, no. never. You know, like, <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. 
<laughs> so it was a trip though because they were like, you have to sign this paperwork like that says you're not lying, and right. we'll, we'll fine each of you ten grand if you're lying. And I was like, fuck, you know, like so, so now they, that went, they expected went, yeah. it to be real. I mean, kind of. Oh, okay. they, you watch that show and you're like, this is all phony. Like part, it's all part of it is yeah. when, when we were there though, like they were, like on the episode that we were on, there was like this other um, family where this woman was cheating on her husband, and they were like bikers and shit. And there's this part where he had a cast on his arm, and um, and she's like telling him like I'm cheating on you with the, you know whoever, and he's like he's like who is it? And he like he like cracks his knuckles on his broken hands like. You know, and you're like, whoa, dude, like, and like they, they brawled too. So some of it is real, but some of it is fake. Cause we kept hearing like, you'll get paid and like, yeah. you know, and we're like, where do oh. they actually film it? In Chicago. In Chicago. In Chicago. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. if it was like, but here, or... they do this shit where they're like, if you guys do good, like you can stay all weekend and party. And we're like, cool. Like that'll be rad. You know, in the hotel, like, you know, we never like stayed in hotels and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and then, and so like, as soon as the show is over, like, here's your ride back to the airport later. And oh, they put man. us like all in the same limo together. And I'm like, dude, if this was real, Whoa, really? like, yeah, I'll, like we just, so they back. don't give a fuck. No, they the don't care. They do not care. And how long after were you like comfortable saying that you guys made it up without fear of that? Like 10 G's coming back. I, I kind of said it right away actually, because yeah. this weird thing happened was, um, so on the show, um, Alicia smacked me in the face, and I and I and I thought I was bleeding, and and it was, but it was like all this snot, like it hit my sinuses, okay. and so I blew this snot rocket, and everyone's like, you know, they freaked out, and it was like the moment that was like cool or whatever, because okay. you know, and like, and the whole crowd was like losing it, <clears throat> and then um, so then they're like. And like it's weird because when you watch it, and I can analyze it a little bit more. Like the next, like Jerry goes to like say something, like to say a question, and he like he like gets he like kind of like turns to the side. He's like, "We'll go to commercial break," and then like commercial break happens, and then they're like, "Come with us." And I thought like, "Okay, they're gonna bring me off, and they're gonna bring out Scott, and they're gonna introduce him." They bring me back, and they just these freaking security guards slamming against the wall. This guy's yelling at me like this, like like overweight, like piece of shit, like fucking, you know, like just like. Straight scumbag yeah. you know just fucking scumbag he's like in my face and he's like he's so close and he's like spitting and he's like he's like yeah. you fucking disrespected our house you fucking faggot and like whoa. i was like whoa dude like are you kidding me like i've seen people shit and piss and throw cake yeah. in the kkk and all this stuff like, and you're their own wives yeah and, and i'm like, like i blew snot what? i thought i like broke my nose and he's like you know you're a disrespect and you're fucking you know like i was wow. like you know? and so then i was like you know what fuck you man and i slammed the door open and then all of a sudden i just get thrown on the ground and this dude grabs my shirt so I'm like kind of like laying face up and he like just drags me to the green room and he throws me in there and he's like we're all off duty PD Chicago PD and he goes whatever you say and do doesn't matter he's like you better fucking get your shit together and I was like oh this is weird I don't want to get my ass handed to me so then like I kind of waited and I was like it's cool like all right, I'm sorry and then as soon as the producer came in I was like I want I'm gonna fucking sue you and then then I just kind of like lost it and then there was this like sort of strange dynamic because then I was like I'm done dude I'm not going back out there and they're like you know wait no like you gotta go and it'll cost them money if I just bail like and split like what are they gonna do and then I could have technically sued them I'm sure there's some way that I could have said like you guys assaulted me you know and threatened me you could have went back on camera and but just they been were like, all caught. I know. See, happened. that was the thing is I think they were afraid that I'd go back out there and be like, by the way, I was backstage and these guys assaulted me and the you know, the yeah, they're like police right. officers and so I just was like, you know what? Like I'm here, let's just do this and like and like make the best of it and like try to benefit and it and it did benefit in some way. It's funny because then like way later they ended up I ended up getting in a movie like to act in a movie and stuff because really? of, you know like things it, like that. Yeah, so it's like yeah, okay yeah. I did it it's cool like You're like we saw your work on Springer yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, there was one part I rewatched it I mean I remember seeing it when I was younger 
And there was one part in it, I couldn't help but think, like, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to see this guy today. I got to ask. Yeah. <laughs> when you're on stage, like, faking it, and, you know, you pulled, like, a couple times. That was, like, your go-to line was, like... I'm a I'm a musician, baby. Yeah. I'm touring. <laughs> yeah. Things happen out there. You know, that kind yeah. of vibe. And Jerry goes, well, sometimes you got to tune up your old guitar. <laughs> yeah. And oh I'm like sitting there, I'm like, yo, how did you not break? Like in that yeah. second. Like, I, I laughed a little bit. I was like, wow, you know. But it was crazy because there was... Um, that was a really good line. That was... I mean, I think he's probably like... I mean, he is a performer, you know, in, oh, in yeah. that sense. But... um. He's probably sent Chicago PD back there. This is like emotional racketeering. They want people like to, yeah to make all it jarring. fired up yep. and like yeah right. yeah it's fucking crazy. Yeah, it was weird. I, that. There was certain things where like he wouldn't even talk to us. He only talked to the women. You've seen like, under uh, the belly of the beast yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. he know? was a total scumbag, and it was it, that was funny. But there was so much cool stuff that got edited out that I that I that was like way ratter. Like there was um there was a. This guy, Rusty Nails, who was like a like a independent filmmaker, he, he was friends with Scott, and he was in the crowd, so he like knew what was up, and so it was so rad because at the the Q and A part, he was like, um, I want to ask the the rock star a question, and I'm like, oh great, and like you know, it's and, and I didn't know he was a I didn't know him yet or anything, and so he's like, he's like, uh, what would God think of all this? And I was like. Man, there is no God, and everyone just like the whole crowd just lost it. You know, oh. they cut that out. You know, and then yeah, there's this yeah, other yeah. guy like way in the back, like this like sort of like, you know, like I, I don't know, like a like a cholo like gangster guy. Like he was like um, he was like I want to you know like I want to ask the rock star like you all your gay shit. You you know you like you like kind of like. I don't remember. I don't think he said like faggot, but he said like he was like talking shit, you know. And I was right. like, "You, I'll fucking show you, gay. Come on!" And we like got up and like ran towards each other. And I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking like, if I reach this guy, he's gonna fucking hand me my ass right now. Like I'm gonna get beat. And I and I just knew the security wouldn't let me go fight someone in the audience. So we got really close, but like, it was too so close. Like, but it was <laughs> pretty rad because I was like, you know, I was telling him like, I'm gonna fucking show you, gay, you know. And I was like, just <laughs> I was just like, let's hand this up and like. And it, the subversiveness of it, you know, like, right. yeah. no God, and like, let's battle, like, homophobia, or like, you know, I was like, yeah, let's just yeah, get yeah. these people, and of course they edited out all the, like, all, all the, the cool, all cool the shit, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. you know, so, but it was still, like, fine, and you know, they're like, hey, he's a douchebag, and like, but I'm like, a douchebag that, like, is, like, open to, like, you know, the, all these other, like, you know, progressive <laughs> ideas, yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just like, no, no, you're just a douchebag. In, like, 1990, yeah. what was that, 90, what year was that? It was, like, it was in the late nineties, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but it was the the craziest part was like, uh, like I remember like so this again it's totally pre internet, you know, and so right. like the next day and like for like months and months after, like I could just be going down the street and someone would be like, Jerry, Jerry, <laughs> really? and I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, and then I was like in Kmart. I remember I was like in Kmart, yeah, like yeah, buying yeah. like something, and they're they like Jerry Springer, and I'm like Jesus. How like regular people yeah. just recognize me as like the dude, and I was like, "This is bad." That because, too was though in those days when like because you had like a full sleeve by then, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like oh, that you was told, just yeah, like I probably stuck out a little bit more. That was like you know now every asshole in an Ed Hardy yeah. shirt has a fucking <laughs> yeah. full sleeve. Yeah, and then then it did. <laughs> but did actually were, stand out a little bit more. But the phenomenon, like I mean, I with Scott Byman, like that's got to be offensive to someone at that time, and like I was like, dude, these people like just are stoked like i remember going like back to my visit my grandparents and they they like they watched it i'm like no no, no don't oh, you know, no, yeah. don't watch it and like it was and like my uncle was there who's like a total you know like sort of like right-wing christian you know i was like this is gonna be bad and they all were like that was so cool you're on jerry yeah. springer i was like i made out the dude so we, <laughs> we, just, <laughs> don't care. we just talked about this on jeremy's episode how like 
I've never been able to watch shows like that and enjoy them. Because, like, this, like, horrible human misery I'm seeing on stage, like, I get no entertainment out of, like, whatsoever. It just kind of, like, bums me out. Yeah. And, like, was, like, any of that, like, did you think about that? Like, was it just a gag or did you have this, like, feeling that you were, like, scratching at something that was, like, pissing you off a little? Because I got to imagine, like, people in the mainstream and I hate to like just generalize because it's part of the reason Donald Trump exists is like <laughs> is like a bunch of rednecks might like look at that and be like, oh, look at that faggots getting some nice yeah, pussy, yeah, yeah. you know, and like <laughs> that was probably their logic was yeah, like sure. this like gay looking kid actually managed to sleep with two good looking women yeah. who were on stage. And that, like it was probably like, yo, respect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that could be it. That, that I don't know. I mean. It's even you just create this whole self reflection. <laughs> no, like, it's oh, it's, no. A, it's really interesting because I, I but not not to like ch- ch- you know like move it over to like the locust or something. But everyone always like now like even says like how did you come up with that? And you're like, dude, we just did whatever we were like capable of doing, and then it became something. So and like let the reaction unfold. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, I mean, I don't. I was like 22 maybe, and you know, and they're they're like. Let's go on. Let's go to Chicago, like on someone's dollar, and like and like be on TV. Like it wasn't like there wasn't like a, a like a we're gonna do this. This is our goal. It was, was totally. No game. Yeah, it was totally right. like just like improv, like every, each way, and then it was each time with our own personal morals and standards. We're kind of like, can we like implement this little thing in there and then make it something, you know? Right. But it is a drag. I mean, for me, I I, I like get kind of bummed or like the pregnancy test stuff on like Maury or something, but like the things that I would always be attracted to is like, you know, like the really ridiculous shit, like midget KKK or like, right. you know, or like something that's just like so far gone. That's like fun in a way. <laughs> I, mean, come on. I don't know. Like the four, like, <laughs> like the four midgets in the world who happen to be like white yeah, supremacists. Yeah. But my, it is my, like, yeah. it is more funny than like, I feel like a that's gigantic a, yeah. worldwide domestic abuse issue, oh, which totally, we're just I, laughing about on what, TV. I totally agree. Like, and I'll thing, take a midget in a hood yeah. any day over like worldwide yeah. domestic. It's like Guar was on the show as often right. as it was because it's like, oh, that's a spectacle. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if like we had set out with a goal or like this whole like agenda, but we definitely had a like our subconscious was like, let's do what we can, you know, to like kind of make a point or something. Sure. So throw a wrench into something. Something, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny. I have the opposite reaction as you, like watching that stuff. I because I I've talked about this before, but there's a period where I was watching To Catch a Predator a lot. Oh yeah, and I was like, what is you it? You love that show. I was like, I do, and I'm like, what is it about this show? And I figured it out because it's like, I feel like it puts my own problems in perspective. Ooh. It makes me like, you know, there's that moment where the guy where Chris Hansen comes out yeah. and he always has like a one liner. Yeah, where he's like. Uh, did, did you make any cookies for me? <laughs> it's always something like that. Which to me, to it's like so fucked up because it's like you're about to for real ruin someone's yeah, life. Yeah. And you have to get in like your like joke. But there's this moment where they see him and they're like, fuck, like, and there's that moment of realization where like I'm outed as a pedophile on TV. Yeah. Like yeah. anytime, like you, that's, I mean, that's sort of it. And there's this moment, not where I'm like happy about it, but I recognize that and I'm like, all right, well, I did. I'm late on my credit card. I did that. Like, I fucked up yeah. these five things today, but you know what? 
this is all easily recoverable. (laughs) You know what I mean? And there's something reassuring about that. And that might sound fucked up. I'm just being honest. No, you know, it's a crazy thing because I would always wonder, like, what happens to those people? Like, do they go to jail? And if they do, they probably get killed or beat. Uh, You know know what's interesting? I've researched it. um, And a lot of them end up not going to jail. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because they catch them them before technically anything physical happens? Yeah. Yeah. Some of them do, but a lot of them don't. But it's like, to be honest, it's like once your face is up there, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you're. They're all like, right. I wonder how many of them might go and commit suicide. Yeah, you know? I mean, a, a bunch. Some. It, I think that's why the show isn't on anymore because really? it happened to a couple of people. Oh, it's coming back on the web. Is it? There's a. I just saw the trailer for it. It's like mm. a YouTube show now. There's a very. Oh. He's like gained a little weight too, so it's kind of funny. Yeah. It's like there's, he's. he's <laughs> you can tell he's been like, oh, here's my. There was a politician. Damn, going to internet. There's a yeah. politician who the camera crew like pulled up and everything, and he saw it and just went upstairs and shot himself. And I Whoa. think that was sort of the end of the show. It was also there's you know there was a lot of gray area with like entrapment where it's like yeah, it's sort totally. of this company perverted justice that was doing it would sort of like really flirt with these guys who clearly like it, don't have a lot of interactions you know what I mean and yeah. it's like it, it becomes a line where it's like they were like setting it up yeah when yeah. someone keeps egging you <laughs> on and then like you're like all right I guess I'll come over and then like. It, it, there's definitely like I could see how it could be so easily inadmissible in court too because if yeah. you said that one of these guys had a a history of some kind of mental illness or depression or something and then be like he was the perfect target for them to lure into their it's also one scheme. of one of the few times where you see someone just like lying just and just being caught so open like what are you planning to do like, we're just gonna hang out it's like yeah. well, why do you have nine condoms six <laughs> yeah. wine coolers yeah. <laughs> like it's like a case oh, of zima oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't know like yeah. it's just like uh it's like for me i'd be like you're drinking zima yeah like, this is a big <laughs> issue too dude. Why, what is wrong with you man <laughs> i broke my edge with zima Please tell me that's true. It is true. Wait, what did you do to Zima? I broke my edge with Zima. You did? Yeah, I mean, it was like that is But if you're not now, you never were. I know, I know. I never never was. Was it for the joke? Uh, No. At the time, it was a totally respectable thing. I wasn't even embarrassed about it. Oh, my God. I remember I was in my... I'm not remembering a time... Dude, at all I when remember, that was a respectable was in, thing to take down yeah you're Sean, like i'll drink that zima that <laughs> was never cool it, zima seemed like the rollerblades of, of <laughs> in my mind i would still see rollerbladers i have a lot of shame i had a lot of shame with experience just in the sense of breaking my edge but no shame in it being a zima i was, yeah. like, I was like this is just what people drank uh, uh. <laughs> i mean some people drank it mostly 16 yeah. year old women yeah <laughs> Having their first beer. Yeah. I remember <laughs> telling a girl, I was like, I drank a Zima. She's like, oh, it's really good if you drop a watermelon Jolly Rancher in it. I was like, uh, yeah. I think that's pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> that's too much. Yeah, I drew the line at the Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> I've, been making jo- uh, I've been making jokes about breaking edge on, uh, on uh, hookah. I can imagine a, like a lamer thing, you know. It's like 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 it smelled really good. Like, it just like, smelled like strawberries. Yeah. Just, yeah. Jeremy, say if you created like a fake story just for fun, just to see what would happen. In the spirit of Justin, like of just being like, yeah, I ripped a joint. I was up in San Francisco. I met yeah. these kids. I ripped a joint. It was cool. And then like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Like, yeah. do you think there would be some like heavy backlash? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like straight edge is something that like people you like. Remember when <clears throat> when uh, Ray Capo said he was straight edge again? And then, like, they played a festival in Florida, like, the whole crowd stood with their backs to him with their, like, their arms crossed. Like, we're just, like, we're not buying into this at all. Wow. Or it's, like, that's something that, like, I don't think you get much of a pass on. 
um, from from what I from, from what I've been straight, they're such Republicans. Like, <laughs> like for, yo, I've been yo, I've been straight since I was fourteen, and it's funny because when you're when you're young, um, you care a lot. You really care a lot, right. and, and like, there's still people that my age do still care a lot. Sure. Thirty three, but like, I, I'm straight at just because it's like I don't I. It's it's like every day I don't think about it. It's yeah. like it's I, I don't care about straight edge at all. It's just like what I. It, but I if you rip that J bone on tour, yeah, but hell to pay. I, there was tw- <laughs> I, I give the twelve percent, twelve percent of me almost smoked weed the other night because we got stranded at Riot Fest in Denver, and it was the funniest thing. And then it was Denver, so like Clayton had weed, of course. Clayton started just he was just like. We're fucked. Like we're seriously stuck here with all of our gear. We don't know, how, and we also had to be up at, uh, up at the airport in four hours. And we were oh. just like, "What happened? Your van break down or something?" No, we had scheduled a taxi at like nine thirty. Like Deftones headline, they finished at like nine forty five. We scheduled our taxi at nine thirty five, so we could just like beat all the traffic, get out of there or whatever. And then like at ten twenty, the guy, we got the cab driver on the phone who was just like, "Yeah, I'm not coming." Oh, like wow. like it's way too hard to get in there yeah. like sorry Shit. and so like all the cabs were taken and the uber was down and we were just like we're Whoa. fucked so we just literally tweeted like yo who can come pick us up and thank for our, our friend luke who plays in tiger's jaw had their minivan wow. and came and picked us up no but like there was, weed, moment, right? <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment there where i was laying i was laying on our our like our uh our duffel bag full of merch just upset just like this yeah. sucks like because i'm just thinking about like i'm not gonna sleep i can't sleep on planes and this is the worst. And uh, Clayton just started smoking weed. And I was just like, you know, like 12% of me for just to make this situation funny. Like, yeah, you could have just Willie Nelson one yeah. trip. Yeah. Yeah. You been- <laughs> but that, at that point, you just, you have to be grateful that you're not the guy in To Catch a Predator. Right, right, like, right. It's not that bad. Like, yeah, we're not yeah, right. on that show. And then, and as proof karma exists, that dude got busted cheating on his wife. Yeah, right. Wow. Like, he did. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. No, were, you, I, were you ever at some point? No, I hated it. I always really? hated it. Yeah. I, there was but some- I don't like, I, I mean, when I was younger, I drank. And I, I I worked at a at a at a, this gay club for eight years, and yeah. like dudes would always buy me shots, and I'm like, fuck, I, fine, you know, like I'll drink it, but like, I don't, know, the, and it was never my jam. But I, I would I would like like smoke a, a like take a hit off a joint just to be like, I'm not straight edge, leave me alone, you know? Sure, sure. But sure. like I don't, I don't like that. You know, I mean, I don't like to do. I mean, whatever. It's just not my jam. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 I never knew. Like I uh, I had no idea if like struggle or anything like that was like an it like. Just no, I mean, I think like, I think like, yeah, a couple of those guys like were like into pot and drinking and stuff. But how like, old were you during struggle? Fifteen. 15, I was gonna say sixteen, seventeen. We should have been doing drugs, you know. I mean, that was. <laughs> I should have. Right. Was like I should have had my. How wild was it being <clears throat> fifteen years old and getting to put a record out on Ebullition? It was weird. That's I like, mean, it was weird to like go like and play in Mexico and go and play in Canada and like. Yeah all over the west coast and like i'm like 15 you know totally but it was also too weird thing like you would think like i'm going on tour and the rest of like my peers at high school are like just care about what they're gonna do on friday night you know yeah and i'm like i'm gonna I, there's like this weird perception of the world at that point was it easy for you like family and stuff like that to be able to go and do those things or was that a for struggle? some reason i think we kind of <laughs> that's, See good. Jonah? that's good <laughs> Another one. you're you're really rubbing off on me with I, this. I like it I'm it, getting it, mad Merv Griffin now. It was I think we kinda lucked out. I think we, we all had like uh you know, like sort of 
not the most normal families, you know, like I, like I just had a mom and my mom didn't like care, you know, she's like, whoa, cool. You're playing shows in front of people. Cool. Like, why are you screaming? But go and play and they like you or whatever, you know? And like, it was cool. Or like to show my mom a record. She's like, okay, that's, that's rad. Like I'm doing something. Yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't so come home. a hard sell for you. No. Do you think like, cause someone from the East coast, like, like when I viewed San Diego at like 14 years old, I had no idea what it was because I was either like, this is either like, maybe not 14, maybe like 16 just for the sake of years. But it was either like, I pictured a bunch of like pop punk surfer kids at a burrito shop because of Blink-182. <laughs> yeah. I pictured like a bunch of Christian cholo guys like going crazy because of POD. Yeah. And then <clears throat> I pictured like the gravity scene. I'm like, these guys in a garage somewhere doing spastic ass music like yeah. with with this kind of message i'm like what the fuck is san diego i'm like like which of those three is actually the most accurate and like your or is it just neighborhoods is probably, it probably none of those no I mean, well the, the the like christian cholo thing is weird like i mean yeah pod's from there but like i mean i just see real cholos who are not like them like right, right, dudes right. that are like proper badass yeah, you know like you yeah. don't want to fuck with them like pod i'd be like pfft like cool dude you know whatever <laughs> so there's that and then the pop punk thing with like blink 182 was like a little bit well blink was like from this area called poway which is kind of like a little bit out and it, and it never just it never like manifested anywhere relevant to to mm-hmm. us and <clears throat> but for me like san diego was like uh it was like rock from the crypt drive by jehu mm-hmm. three mile pilot um and then even like stuff like there's this record label called vinyl communications which is like the the guy that ran it was in Titwrench, and he you know he would have shows like um like i saw green day play in his backyard and i saw um rage i think played their first show in his backyard and like so it was like and then there was the che cafe and and there was a lot of stuff that was like just interesting and weird but never like it wasn't like this thing or like that thing where 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 you have like Boston hardcore, you know, right. or like it wasn't ever like a it was just like this hodgepodge of stuff. Do you think like these days <clears throat> we've talked about this on the podcast before, like kind of the effects of technology and the internet on the way that like a scene can be built. And the idea that like cause someone like me again who's like reading ads and Jeremy, I'm sure like all of us probably, uh, you know, in uh, Heart Attack magazine, looking at abolition ads and seeing stuff from Gravity Records that, like you said before, there was a look, there was a sound that was all coming out. Like people were part of this like community where people were feeding off each other stylistically. Yeah. And that tended to happen through the years in punk and hardcore in different little pockets where these people were, were each other's influences and where a scene was able to get so much style as a result. And we've like argued if that's even possible anymore with like how quickly you get out of that place and how the internet like spreads it on a widespread thing in this like smaller communities. Like, do you think like what happened with gravity and all you guys in San Diego is even like possible now? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Because my reference point when I was growing up was like the Sex Pistols and then Vivian Westwood. She kind of like made that look. So like when I think back about San Diego, it was like, you know, we were all kind of like, we kind of like didn't have money and we were like figuring out how to silkscreen and we'd buy like used clothes. And so you had this look, this sort of like scummy, like weird, like 
you know DIY look or whatever, and it, and it was and it was like a thing, like that was like the look, and and and, and it was weird because you didn't have that like in other cities you know it was kind of like the, like a california type thing and, and but now i don't know what it would be because now it's like nothing is as special as it was because you had to like really investigate it and discover it on your own and now it's just like everything's there for everyone all the time every single like you know little minute detail so i don't know it's now like, i'm just I, looking to let's get to mars you know like let's just bail <laughs> and like, and what's, like funny, go what's funny is that i feel like san diego had such being being on the outside LA but like it's funny that San Diego now like I feel you know we're, Orange County was the weird separator yeah, of, yeah, of all of that yeah. the tanned separator of all of that <laughs> um but like being a fan of just like some different weight versions of punk rock but like I think the gravity record stuff like the Antioch Arrow the Angel Hairs and all those stuff had such an influence on New Jersey specifically when it then came to like sure Neil Perry and Joshua uh, Fifer Battle and like that whole world that was like and I don't wonder like how quickly those timelines overlapped. You know what I'm saying? Like quickly. Yeah. It's I mean, just interesting that it went from San Diego to New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Or even like Philly too, because I guess or in like some New York yeah. like, station that's well, yeah. I mean when you have New Jersey bands, you always have it's not often you get like four kids from the same town. You know? Because, like San Diego's a city, it's like a place like New Jersey they tend to be like fragmented and come together. And that's mm-hmm. why New Brunswick so many bands start in New Brunswick because no one's from New Brunswick. Oh, New Brunswick's okay. like a hospital town that's like half hood. Like not a lot of people actually grow up there. You just go to Rutgers and you meet there. And that's where like the cultural meeting point is. Oh, and that's yeah. why all these bands start in New Brunswick. The only people actually from New Brunswick yeah. is like two guys from God Forbid and like this guy Rocky Cantonese I know who plays in a good band called Rocky in the Chapter. And okay. that's like the only people <clears throat> actually from New Brunswick, which is funny. Crazy. That's but, so funny. But that being said, like... It started small, you know, where like I had heard of the gravity thing mostly from the Spirit Fall guys, you know, who wound up putting out Instill Records mm-hmm. and you and I for Split 7 Inch. Right. And that was tied into kind of the Seisha little thing going on in upstate New York. And those two scenes kind of met. Just, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, Instill. People didn't really know what to do with Instill when they first came out because nobody had, like, been that emotive over hardcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And at the time, like, to their credit, the old school hardcore guys around were like, this is some pussy shit. Yeah, totally. Like, where people were like, throw fucking tissues at them on stage, crying on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, like, right after, like, literally, like, DMS had started to go down. Like, Like, really tough, like... People where hardcore was secondary, like being in this like gang was like yeah more oh, important. Yeah. That was a, that was such a weird thing culturally because we never had that in California. Yeah, we had to like fight against real gang members and shit. You right, know? and we, they, and they were like tough kids. Like that's where I don't know what DMS is now, but these were like proper like Lower East Side yeah. like Manhattan <clears throat> kids like who were tough as hell. And this like being in a crew, like the music became the thing to do as a result of the crew. You know, but but then when you and I, Neil Perry, like that is when like it was like a thing by sure. then. You know what I mean? And it was and like other, a response to it in a way. To all and other well. scenes had popped out with like other stuff by then. You know where it was like, oh, this is like yeah. But a the, lot of people are emanating these. You guys being now. from San Diego, that that was clearly there for all of the Angel Hairs and and all of that, all of that stuff. Would could you say that that was? 
heavily influenced by like the Revolution Summer, like Discord stuff? Like, did, was that did that play a huge I, role? I think. Well, <clears throat> I remember like kind of when I first started like actually playing. It, we were we were really. I mean, for me personally, it was like I was really drawn towards Downcast and, and stuff like that. But okay. but because of Downcast, we were all aware of um, Born Against and Rorschach, and so that was like where I was like the metal stuff is the jam, mm. and 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 then I was you know like struggle had like our sister band or whatever uh, unbroken and so like that was that was like the first weird like anomaly because they they like sounded like slayer and they looked like morrissey and they were straight edge (laughs) and you're like what is that you know and then i think like with them and then like maybe a year or so later antioch arrow which was like the weirdest thing because like they would never cry you know like i mean they looked weird and you were kind of like you're more like you probably think they were going to be on to catch a pedophile or you, know, right, right, right. you guys look really creepy, like with those pants and shit, yeah. you know. And so it was like, it wasn't like there was, it wasn't really pussy stuff because like I would go see Antioch Arrow play and I was fearing my life. I'm like, dude, everyone's bleeding, you know, right, like, right, and right. they're not tough guys, you know. No. They're bleeding because it's just freaking crazy. So it was like I think with Antioch Arrow and Unbroken actually touring, yeah. In the U.S., people were like, "Whoa! Like, there's weird shit in San Diego." Right, and 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 it, and it was. They were like a really good representative to go out and like kind of like you know show people. Yeah, something, yeah, yeah. You know? It's interesting when that changed because I actually even dated myself just answering your question because my reality to that stuff was like instill and Sasha and like those guys like coming up. Yeah, but I totally forgot about Born Against and right. like the bands that were yeah. there before. And those Life's guys, blood, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they had that sensibility. Yep. You know that that really progressive sensibility, but met with like violence. Right. Like you didn't call Born Against a bunch of faggots at a show. Like yeah. Born Against would have fought you. Yeah. You know what Which I mean? Is, I think great because they weren't like jocks or no, dickheads, no, but the they will they will thing. fuck you up. Oh, you know. Yeah. And I, there, so there was that John Hiltz to this day. If you I, said he threw me out of a fucking show Hiltz, that I was playing. Still try to fuck you up. Sure that you were he playing. dragged me out of a freaking show that I was like the locust was like the headliner or whatever, and he threw me out. I was like, dude, I, I'm gonna play this show. <laughs> it was weird. I had such a different experience because I grew up in Cleveland, so I grew up just seeing like One Life Crew, yeah, and, in, <laughs> and in, like integrity and stuff. But yeah, it's my experience of getting into hardcore was just like 300 pound guys in Tommy Hilfiger gear talking about like. Only in America can Tupac Shakur be killed and a common criminal and be treated like a hero and yeah. just being at a show and being like, okay, yeah, like I don't know, I'm 15. I'm, I mean, I'm so grateful for like being able to grow up when I did because it was like really, really empowering. Well, maybe not enough, but like more so for women. You know, like it was rad. There was like, yeah. there was like, I mean, that was right around like the start of the riot girl movement and stuff. But in San Diego, it was so badass, and it was like there was like a lot of really progressive stuff happening. And I, I think maybe that happened so much because it was a very or is a very conservative city. So like all the all the like strange like art you know artsy fartsy like political like activist kind of types were like really embracing these ideas and making it cool and safe for everyone so yeah, i was I'm gonna glad. ask that like what do you think the role of like san diego just being like super military heavy town <laughs> and like a conservative town like did that because i feel like um like when you were like a punk rocker in the 80s like somehow the fact that like punk rock wasn't totally mainstream yet made you like more punk rock yeah like like that person like when i see a guy like in Liberty Spikes in New York City, I'm like, all right, you have Liberty Spikes in New York City. Good for you. But when I see some kid in, like, Nebraska in some town doing Liberty Spikes, I'm like, that kid is, like, fucking (laughs) fighting for those Liberty Spikes. You better know that. Right, 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 totally. So, like, do you think 
the fact that you were surrounded by so much stuff like cemented like how progressive you guys wound up being yeah i feel like it i feel like it was well i think it was like the norm among like the the real like and i don't mean punk like punk rock but like punks you know like because because we were like hanging out and playing with people like three mile pilot that weren't a punk rock band but they were punks so i think we were able to kind of like find a different set of not morals but like like uh uh like our our agenda was like a little bit more vital i guess like it it didn't really you didn't like okay like yes i understand like fighting for liberty spikes and i think that that i think like the um the the visual like sort of uniform for identifying like another punk is is relevant and and important stuff but for us it was like dude we're like next to you know mexico and there's like so much institutional racism like the police were super uh uh, you know uh, oppressive and uh there was all this violence with the police and a lot a lot of violence towards you know the migrant workers and like there were things that were like just a lot more important and then you did have this military presence. So you had these military families with military children. And those kids were going to our schools, like, beating the shit out of us because it didn't matter what our hair looked like. They were beating the shit out of us just because we weren't an asshole, you know, mm. because we weren't, like, a jock or, like, because even the skaters were, like, it's the same thing. Like, the skaters, like, they were the punks, too, you know, and they, they didn't look like punks, but they were, like, there fighting with us as well. Sure. So. Do you, so you still live in San Diego? Yeah. You've lived there your whole life, pretty much? No, I lived there since I was 12. Okay. <clears throat> Where were you before that? Arizona, which is which was crazy. Because then I moved to Arizona. I'm like, this is nothing, dude. Like, <laughs> I'll take this military shit because Arizona is fucked. Where in Arizona were you? Phoenix. Okay, it's horrible there. I mean, I, I'm I would have I would have probably you know became a white supremacist or or killed myself. You know, <laughs> I was surprised the first because like you know I had always assumed in my estimation that like nowhere gets more racist than, like, the old Confederate Southeast. Like, you know, I was always, like... And especially, you know, touring when you're from New Jersey, you always start going south. And by the time you hit, like, Alexandria, Virginia, things start to change. Then you Mm -hmm. get to, like, Richmond. And then before you know it, you're in the fucking south. Like, it happens before you know it. And I always assumed that, like, when I'm, like, walking around somewhere in, like, South Carolina, this is, like, the most hardcore it could be. And I find, like, out there that it's even, like, a little freakier, like, out in Arizona and stuff. And I never would have imagined it until I started traveling. And I wound up in these areas of, uh, what's that really rich Scottsdale? Yeah. That part of, like, Arizona. Yeah, Chandler used to live there. I went to a wedding there. I'm like, this is, like, maybe, like, the freakiest, like, whitest place I've ever seen. Really cool Frank Lloyd Wright house I went to there. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) But, yeah, that's, like, maybe, that's probably the whitest thing ever, too. (laughs) Didn't they not recognize, like, Martin Luther King Day till the 90s? Yeah, that song by the time I get to Arizona. Yeah. The Public Enemy song. Oh, yeah. 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 It's pretty wild because I think, like, this could be wrong, but maybe it's a, I I don't know, maybe there's some validity in it. But, like, when you think about, like, the cities that you listed. We don't fact check here. You can just run (laughs) wild. Okay, well, when when you stated, like, the cities that you would see as the deep south, I feel like there's still cultural, culture there. When, When In Arizona, there's culture, but, like, you know, like Native American culture. Like, you clearly, I don't know, it's just, it's a different thing. Because the uh, aside from Native American cultures, it's just white. Like, right. It, it's just like a giant white thing. And I mean, I mean, like, you know, like bikers and that, like, kind of like weird. Like, I don't know. And, and no, and this is a weird thing because I like that. Like now, the term white trash is offensive and stuff. You know, which is makes sense because a lot of those people have no 
choice. And, and I, even like some of my, you know, family members and stuff, it's like, you, you were born into that. And, yeah. and, and you're, you know, like, look, like looking at like a young teenager, like with two kids working at KFC, like that sucks. Yeah. And they're going to never get out of there, you know? Yeah. And then they're going to become like, you know, obese and they're going to like hate their family or like get on meth or like whatever it is, you know? And then, and then there's just no, like, I, I, so I don't know. I mean, it is like a weird sort of, sort of like vortex sure. in the, in the, but there's other places like that in the U S as well. Right. But it, I remember like being 15 and, and uh, actually on my 15th birthday, um, I, I went to, um, I was in Phoenix and I went to see Suicidal Tendencies and um, Pantera opened and Exodus, I think, opened. And, um, <clears throat> and that was the night where I was like, I'm going to start a band. So the next day I, we, we started to struggle. But um, I went there and I was I was so blown away because, I mean, I was familiar with Arizona, but this was like the craziest thing because I, I had not been to like a lot of punk shows at that point. So I was pretty stoked and I really liked Suicidal and... I remember, you know, and suicidal is like consisted of people who were black and Mexican and there's a, there, and there was a lot of neo-Nazis, a lot of skinheads. And there was this one dude who ar- arrived in like, at least in the parking lot and then into the venue without a shirt on, you know, and, 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 and he had one tattoo that was like, I mean, this is like before a lot of people had tattoos, sure. I was 15 and it just said on his arm, I hate niggers. And like it, he walked up like that. And I was like, how does that fucking happen? Yeah. Like, someone needs to fuck show. that guy up, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, put him in his place and make him cover that shit up, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. So it was weird. I was like, dude, this is a really strange world. And then I was really grateful that I didn't live there. I mean, there's equally as bad shit in, in San Diego. Sure. I mean, even on, like, on a more severe political level. But, it, it you know, at that point, like, just seeing something out in public like that was crazy. And in a punk show. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, the whole Pantera, like, you know white supremacy kind of thing but like with suicidal it's like come on man get your shit together so there's always that weird borderline between like hardcore and the white power stuff like where they were so closely aligned but so far apart in value at the same time i think it got even like confusing for a while i I had a friend who was like a sharp or whatever like a like a non-racist skinhead and i was always like dude this seems like so much work like half of your life is just explaining Explaining. to yourself that you're not the thing everyone thinks you are but but even with that like ideology you're still like part of this thing that's like homophobic and nationalistic and you know just a dick you know you're like okay cool you're not racist but you're just a jerk about everything else (laughs) you know (laughs) I, th- I find it interesting you're talking, and something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I can't help in something like Donald Trump and this movement. I go quickly from like anger to like why, you know yeah. what I mean? Like why the fuck is this happening? Yeah. Like who is this tapping into, and why? And that thing you said I, I find interesting, which is like I can't help but escape this idea that you know liberals inherently are supposed to be empaths to a point you know you're supposed to be empathetic yeah where you where you can see the other side and through a, a democratic notion you can reach some sort of compromise and i found in like researching the racists and the white nationalists like we talked recently and some of them came after me that like like i have friends who are voting for donald trump they're my friends from when I was growing up. I know they're not bad people. I've known them like almost my whole life, but I know where they came up. I know who they came up with. And I know that they're in a union and they're a carpenter and they hate fucking Mexicans. <laughs> and they're going to vote for Donald Trump simply because of that. Mm-hmm. And like, 
I know this is not a bad person, but I know he has this ridiculous way of looking at things. And, but the thing I struggle with is like, regardless of we like it or not, I can't help but think this last six or seven years of like unabashed liberalism with sort of this finger in the air to any other culture or this like rejection of your values blanketly like like we have the correct way to do things your history the way you guys do stuff is just wrong you're just wrong fuck you right and clearly like if you know anything about people that's not the way you're gonna like affect any kind of change whatsoever you're actually going to embolden the other side and you're going to make them want to find other people who are feeling like this and then to the point where some rich crazy millionaire can convince them that he's one of them because they want it so bad and like do you think like like we're all to blame for this like a little bit because i'm starting to think we are but are you saying we as in like liberals? We, I guess, yeah. I'm, I'm using the royal we for like just people who think more progressively and would lean more towards a liberal side, I, I guess. I, I would say that I would identify more with radical, a radical mindset or, or movement sure. because I feel like the, I think, you know, it's, even going back to like punk and hardcore, like I remember like growing up and like hearing like hate comes easy from downcast. It's like, yeah, like let's fucking fight. Like I'll fuck you up too. You know, like you know, if you want to fucking sit, have some bullshit rhetoric, you want to come at me. Like I'm not gonna be like, no, no, it's cool. Like you're you hate Mexicans. It's like no, you fucking hate Mexicans. Like let's do this. You know, like because it's bullshit. It's 2016. Like I have more friends that are Mexican than anything else. Like I don't think I could just be like, it's cool. Like you grew up racist, and I think it's fine. It's not. You know. Yeah. So. Are we to blame? I mean, humans are just shit, you know? It's like a collectively just, it's fucked. I mean, but at the same time, it's like, man, I, I, I want to practice, you know, like like being able to just breathe and be calm and not have that anger, like, enrage me to where I do react because there is a way to accomplish something without yelling, you know? I want to take a breath and be like, you know what? Like, you don't need to punch me in the face and I don't need to stab you in the neck and we'll be fine. Like, it, we can talk about this and part ways or whatever, but... Is that going to change anything? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where we're going as as like a as a human race, you know. So uh, that's where I, that's, I just I just feel like he gives Donald Trump just gives everyone who had horrible notions in their head a voice, and now they have their spokesperson. But I think what it comes down to is it, it is a, a better a better perception is like or a, maybe like the whole like liberal thing is one, but like I f- I really do think like the Occupy movement was the like sort mm-hmm. of like the the jam of our generation and and it and maybe it didn't become what it should have but it still instilled this like sort of mindset and it gave us like these kind of parameters to focus on and i think that what what it is is like it is that 99% against the 1% and so the people that you know that hate mexicans that are voting for trump are part of that 99% so at some point totally. they're going to realize oh shit it's not the mexicans it's these fucking corporations right uh, until that happens or how that would happen i don't know but that's the ultimate like perception i think see but that being said is the reason that i'm finding like violence meets violence hate meets hate as like the thing that's gonna just keep it going because i agree with you <clears throat> like i think most of what's happening right now i'd say 40 percent from each side 
are just being fucking duped. Oh, they're totally. walking in step totally. with whatever thing that they think, and they're being literally like fucking hand-fed everything you're supposed to say, you're supposed to say in response, let alone it being in the context of 140 characters now, most of it. This is how thought out. And that's where, like, I had a, I had a child pretty recently. Congratulations. Thank you. And he came really early, and it was like a sketchy experience. And, like... That has given me something that, like, I didn't have before, which is this, like, I see a fucking troll, like a white nationalist on Twitter. And when I used to just be like, and I have this feeling a lot. I grew up Jewish. I have Jewish European grandparents. Like, I don't take fucking Nazi shit lightly. Every time I see it, I imagine, like, the struggle of my family and this and that. And, And it infuriates me. But I see now and i was even thinking on the train here that like every one of these motherfuckers like went through what i'm watching my kid go through like they were all these like crawling spitting blank canvases like at one point and they all have like a mother or like a father or like one person who probably loves them that they're soft to and they have like i'm seeing this like human side of it And for, like, one out of, like, five guys I engage on Twitter, these fucking Nazis, I see this, like, sliver in there. You know, when you ask a question, like, okay, I see from your profile, like, you have kids. Do you want your kids to witness a non-white genocide in the world? Like, do you actually want them to see that? Is that what you wish upon, like, your children? And then you'll see him backtrack a little. No, 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 no. I want... I want a white, safe place in America. That's what I want. I'm like, oh, okay. So are white liberals or white immigrants like Russians or something? Are they allowed there? <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, that's like, I'm like, well, not for nothing, buddy. Like yeah, politics yeah, yeah. aside, this doesn't sound like a practical plan. Sure. Like, like this is not even politics anymore. How the fuck are you even going to execute this? Oh, yeah. Like course. it's not even going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like, they're talking to some fucking Jew on Twitter, having a human conversation, yeah, which is yeah. not what yeah. they were intending to <laughs> yeah. do. Wait, do you go engage, like, oh, just for the hell of it, or what? Sometimes. <laughs> um, I've, like, I get yelled at by my wife, and shit. Like, I'll literally be like, my kid's there crying, my wife's doing this shit. You're like, no, but And I'll troll. be, like, in yeah. and out of the bathroom, like constantly like doing these like three minute long pisses yeah. to like try and come up with the perfect response she's like what do you do i'm like nothing yeah and it's all consuming when it's happening because yeah. they'll say something it gets you riled up yeah they'll say kike they'll say this yeah, thing yeah. they'll say that and like but it's I'm, still kind of fascinating because i i had the same experience with a ku klux klan member on facebook okay. and it was amazing to like have this conversation because same thing like I forgot. What, oh, there was the thing where the anonymous was outing all the Klansmen, right. and, and I was like, and I, so I posted this link, and I was like, this is really cool. I think anonymous is like a pretty relevant, viable thing for you know humanity, and and um, most of the people were like, yes, you know, right on. And then a couple people were like, you fucking, you know, little bitches, we're gonna fuck you up. And then one dude who I searched his profile, and he's the, like a grand wizard of of some chapter in, in Tennessee or something. Oh, you found a wizard. He he hit me up, yeah, and he was Big like. I know that's like I won like a Dungeons Found and Dragons a or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was like, he was kind of engaging in a, in a in a in a in a in a smart ass way, which right. I respect. Not respected, but I was like, oh, he's got humor. You know, like yeah. he's not just like you fucking faggots. Right, we're gonna right. kill you. He was kind of like there was a little bit of depth to it. A little so, tongue in cheek. Yeah, and then yeah. It, and it, like our conversation 
it was funny because I was like scared. I was like, Jesus, like, am I going to type to this guy? Like, yeah, he's going to yeah. come and kill me, you know? Um, and like his profile, like had him shooting guns and shit. And I was like, this is not the person I should be talking to. But it, it went down this route to where I don't even really know how this happened. But I, I like I so we were like kind of fucking with each other. And I posted a, a link to that Chappelle thing where he's like a blind Klansman. And then the whole conversation between him and I turned into how rad Chappelle is. And he <laughs> loves Dave Chappelle. And I was like, wait a minute. How's, wait, 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 how's wait, that wait. even possible? How do you become a Grand Wizard of the KKK? And you think that this black comedian is like funny. He's like, dude, it was hilarious. And it was the weirdest thing because then I kind of wanted to be like, look, man, next time I'm on tour, like, let's just meet up for coffee or well, beer, I guess, for him. Right. But let's meet up. And like, and like, I would really like to understand that person's mindset yeah. and like why and how we got in the, and like the fact that the KKK even exists still. Like, oh, there's all these things. Like, and I was pretty blown away. And then a lot of people, like, even some of my friends are like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you even oh, had I a conversation with them. I can relate to this so them. much. I can and, relate to this so much. But it's like, what do you want to do? Like, just say, yeah. like, fuck you and hate each other and go exactly. nowhere with it? Or like, do you want to like try to engage? Because maybe him talking to me and like, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe he had a glimpse of something, like you said, and was like, "Whoa, maybe I shouldn't hate everybody as much as I do." Dude, we uh, around the time Touche started was like right when the Westboro Baptist Church was like really pretty everywhere, and I was like obsessed, like obsessed with. It. I was just like, I cannot believe this is a thing. Yeah. So they would come to L.A. and I would go to the protests, and I would just like not go to not to go throw shit at them. But I just wanted to engage them. And I was fascinated by their approach because as soon as you start talking to them, someone in their group would start filming. Because if I punch them, they have that on film, then they sue me because sure. they're all lawyers. Uh, so like, I was like, this is a racket. Like, it's got to be a racket, you know, uh, but, they're, but they're so quick to quote the Bible, to quote, they have a response for everything. Right. And they're friendly, which mm. is also just like, there's some, this is fucked up. So like, I, I had been to a couple of the protests and I was just like, but I was like, there's, you know, whatever. And... And you would it, just go and just talk by myself. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And um, so we wrote a song on our demo called like we hate Fred Phelps.com, which is just like dot com. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so whatever. Like Will wrote you that song. That Terminal Five tonight tomorrow. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I played that probably since like two thousand eight. Um, but so the dot the dot like the the girl who so there was there's Fred Phelps who's now dead. Um, oh, right. And then his daughter, who's the mom, who's like the who became like the the figurehead for like a lot of the TV stuff. And then her, she had daughters, and one of them, this girl Megan, who was like also really always on TV and all this sort of stuff. Um, we recorded our second record, "Parting the Sea," in Kansas, so we had to drive through Topeka, which is where they're from. I'm bored in the van. We just did the drive, so I straight up like I tweet at her, and I'm like, like. I'd always invite them out to the show, like whenever we'd be out there. But I was like, I was like, hey, like, can we swing by? And she and she direct messaged me and gave me her phone number. And I was like, was like, if you guys want to come by, like, we'd be happy to have you. And we were like, whoa, do we do this? Like, what the fuck? Whoa. So we we had to pull off at like a guitar center to get stuff for recording. Um, when we were around Topeka, so I I was like, guys, what the fuck do I do? And they're like, call her. Yeah. So I call and I'm like, what's up? And she starts it by saying. So you hate us, right? And I'm like, yes, I hate everything you stand for. And she was like, okay. She kicked it off with that. Okay. And she was like, she's like, because we're willing to talk to anybody, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. Um, so I explained the scenario, like what we're doing. And she's like, okay, <clears throat> let, me, let me run it by everybody here that you guys might stop by. I'm like, okay. So we, I hang up and then I end up getting a text about an hour later saying like, saying like, we have these things, like we can't, we can't do it. But I now have her phone number. 
right? So I'm like, eh. did they say they couldn't do it? Because <laughs> they, they had like they they've had other engagements. Oh, prior engagements. Yeah, yeah, exactly, oh, okay. exactly, exactly. The racist so, gallaball or whatever. <laughs> so. So we start recording the record in, in Lawrence, or basically right outside Lawrence, in uh, Eudora, and and we start texting each other and legitimately become friends. Wow. Like, like frenemies, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to where, like, we would have debates. Uh, we talked about the thing we did earlier. Like, I was, ra- I was raised Christian, but then grew out of it when I was, like, in junior high, right? So, like, I know the Bible enough to where, like, we can have these conversations. Sure. So we start talking often and i would like stay up like just and we'd just be we're in the same same time zone so we'd just be like debating over things and whatever wow. and um and the guys in my band felt really uncomfortable about it because they're just like why are you being like cool with her like she's terrible yeah. i'm like i know she's terrible but there's i'm seeing this human side of her yeah wow. and many times i was like i don't i don't buy it i think you want to be a good person like i and she would say the crazy shit to me i'd be like you should come out to the show and she'd be like but concerts are where like bad things happen like uh, that whole like, yeah. idea like the 80s mom idea yeah. of like of like drugs and alcohol yeah. like that happens yeah. at concerts oh, wow. so but she believed that she was that's right. what she was like right like, like rock music leads to this right and um so we we stayed I, we never met I mean, we stayed friends but we never met but and then yo like three years ago she left the church Really? Wow. She literally left the church and came to LA and we had coffee no way <laughs> sat Whoa. down had coffee talked for two and a half hours all about her leaving all about like the realization that yes like like she doesn't like living that way like she has met enough people to because there was like a documentary that had come out maybe about a year before she left where similar with her and i's relationship where there was a there was like a surf team guy that like she became friends with and she she didn't i think she didn't want to admit that she maybe developed feelings for the guy but like Mm -hmm. They were so different and it made her question everything. Yeah. And so we sat down and had coffee and like best conversation. Like we're still cool wow. now, but I, it was that, that was that sort yeah. of thing where I was like, I was like, I know there's more to you here. That yeah. fascination of like, you're a fucked up person, but I want to know why, you're a yeah. person. you know? Yeah. You're I, Justin. Yeah. I think, I don't know, man. I think Jeremy might've answered our question about <laughs> what the appropriate tactic is. I mean, it's like, Cause I'm the same as you. And I, I like, as long as I thought I believed in pacifism, I don't. I think, like, I think both are relevant though. Like, yeah. I mean, like I, I believe the civil rights movement doesn't happen without violence. Mm-hmm. I believe that the Indian revolution doesn't happen without violence. Like, I don't think people decide to act until <clears throat> there's violence. You know what I mean? It's sad, but it's true. But I do think when it comes down to it, like if you believe in people as being born inherently evil or something like that, then, you know, argument aside, like you should fight and you should just kill each other all the time or whatever. I don't believe that though. But I don't believe that either. And, and I think when people start looking into like the sociology of human beings, you can so easily see how someone came to believe that. Like it's under, it's, it's easy to understand when you know, and especially people who get to travel through it, which I think gives us a unique perspective. Perspective, Like when you can actually travel to one of these towns where there's like 70 people who think exactly the same, I could see how it could happen there. Just like she, I remember having a conversation with a Christian years ago where I finally realized I'm like, oh my God, like you care 
not because like you're trying to do, you really think I'm going to hell <laughs> and you yeah. care about me yeah. and you don't want me to. I'm like, that's actually like kind of sweet. That, that would be the conversation. You know? I'd yeah. be like, I'd be like, now we've talked, we've like talked several days now. We joke about things. We, what she wanted, she knew I had problems sleeping. She like recorded herself playing a song on piano. I was like, maybe this will help you sleep. I was like, why are you so sweet? Yeah. You know, All of a sudden she's like sending you nude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, Whoa, uh, dude. Uh, and, you should call the West Bap. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be like, yo, I'd be like, yo, after all these conversations, like you still think I'm going to hell. And she'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, without even flinching. Just, sure. You know, this is like, this might derail this whole thing we're going at. But like, when I was like really, I mean, I still am. I think like things like the Weather Underground, the Black Panther Party was so righteous because it was like, it, it was, it was very, it was active. It wasn't just like this passive kind of like, um, you know, pa- I mean, pacifism is, is relevant. I really sure. do think it is. And I think it's effective, but I was so f- intrigued by the, just the sheer righteousness of these, of these activists and these, these movements. And and then, you know, there are the flaws that are associated with them. And then you think about like how you had like organizations like the FBI and CIA infiltrating these these communities, these people that had nothing, that created something so rad for their people or for people in general. And then and then it comes into this bigger picture, like Trump and the one world government and all these things. Like maybe like maybe like here we are talking about stuff that like is just a bunch of shit created by these mm. fuckers, you know, like to keep us down. Right. I mean, it could be like, I mean, even social media could be like that as well. You know, like everything's being documented constantly so they can monitor everything now. Or mm-hmm. just distract us from like what's really going sure, on. Sure, sure. So, I mean, I, I don't know, like <clears throat> a buddy of mine hit me up on, well, uh, someone hit me up on Instagram and they're like, hey, I work at SpaceX. I would love to give you like a, a tour of the, wow. and I was like, holy crap. And, and, um, you know, we went there and usually the, 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 the tours are like about a half an hour, I guess. Well, he said, we were there for like two and a half hours, just asking him all this stuff. And, and, you know, he's saying like in our lifetime, we're going to go, you know, we're going to all travel to outer space. And I was like, geez, like, this is crazy because then you start putting things into perspective, a different perspective. Like, you know, you're like, the, your friend like hates Mexicans, but like, dude, we're gonna go to outer space. Yeah, like it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what you are at that point, you know. Like, and there's no God. <laughs> Check right. it out. Like, we're gonna see alien sure. life forms. We're gonna do another galaxy. Like, fucking con- try to like conceptualize that. Yeah, you jerk. You know. <laughs> and I think that's where like like we say it. Like, how can you blame someone for not being sure. educated? <clears throat> and like getting those concepts in your head, like these ideas. That infinite universe and yeah. philosophy yeah. and existentialism once yeah. you start thinking about it gives a fuck yeah. about mexicans yeah. and borders yeah. but there you know, but I, not a lot of people have the opportunity to even know about these things yeah which is sad or like you're like yeah you're gonna wear a hood on your head like that's real adorable <laughs> good luck like, Dude, yeah. I, I had such like, from space yeah <laughs> such like a moment of clarity moment uh, where where uh so when my brother and i we did a cross-country drive to Nebraska, where my mom is from, uh, in Norfolk, uh, to bury her ashes, uh, you know, however long ago that was. And um, we met so much family that we had never met before, you know, and like my mom's high school friends we'd never met before, you know, like for, for this thing. And they all wanted to take my brother and I out to lunch. And so I'm like surrounded by these people that I've never seen before, no, whatever. <clears throat> and a lot of them are old. And, and I know, like, I just know, I'm like, they're all, they all went, grew up going to the same church in this one like the town i think is like the population like 2000 like it's okay. very very small farm town and we're sitting there and there's this there's a guy who i'm somehow related to named bud and he's like <laughs> he's like 120 you know he's like the <laughs> oldest man i've ever seen in my life but he's so nice and so sweet he like holds onto my arm as we walk into this re- like the restaurant which is also a bar slash pool hall right. you know like 
So we sit down and everyone's ordering, you know, just like bar food, basically. And I'm looking at Bud. And I have this thing will come over me where I'm looking at him and I just think, why would Bud understand gay marriage? Right. Right. You know, like he's never met a gay person or, yeah. at least from, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> like, like he's he, he doesn't know anything about any sort of culture at all. So for me to just be like, fuck, Bud, fuck that guy yeah. <laughs> seems like a little unreasonable because yeah. it's like he's from a town of fucking nobody. All he knows is church and farming. Like, that's all Bud knows. Church farming and raising a family. Like, right. that's all he knows. So for me to just be like, fuck that guy, blah, blah, blah. So the thing washed over me and I just said, Bud has to die. <laughs> you know? Well, right. Like, it's fucked up, yeah. but like... And Bud is gonna die. And Bud, he might, he might be dead he right now. He might be dead. But like, it, it was like a, it's like a, it seems a little mean-spirited, but it's the truth. Where I was just like, he doesn't know any better. He right. did not, like, this is Norfolk, Nebraska. Like... It, it was almost kind of comforting, though. So now you know? he's had to wait for Trump to die? It, it, the moral <laughs> of this whole story, yeah. He's, well, yeah. sadly, he just... He seems he, like he's going to he live forever. He respawned a new generation, so I think we got, yeah. I think we got some, some, a few generations yeah. to die out, guys. Oh, well, there's God. people like Bernie Sanders and stuff, though, that I think, you know, even Ralph Nader and Jill Stein, like, they're all, they're all doing the other side of, you know, like, I think, I mean, people are becoming more in tune with what needs to happen. Totally. Sure. Yeah, it just takes time, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Th- it sounds pessimistic, but like, I don't think anyone really thought that Bernie had a chance. But I think that. Ever- but I think his message got out there big enough to where it's like he did his he did as good of a part oh, as, for sure. I mean, know, I personally don't feel that this is democracy. I don't think that I don't, I, I don't think he ever was going to win. But exactly. he was there for a reason, and hopefully to voted for um, him in the primaries just because yeah. it's like you, yeah. you wanted to know yes, that he, he can. Got- <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I mean that's one thing where. Trump said one thing in this election. Well, a couple times I've been like, you know what? True. Um, and, and uh, you know, that was the wall just, thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sitting on your couch for yourself. Like, true. Yeah, by this is the yeah. wall one where yeah. I was just like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Walls work. No, it was um, when he still had competition for the primary. He was like, yeah, these fucking primaries are rigged. Yeah. He's like, they're totally rigged. And then once he knew he was going to win, he's like, yeah, they're still rigged. I just don't care anymore because now I'm going to win. So whatever. But they're still rigged. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Like, and then I watched the thing happen with Bernie Sanders yeah. and this yeah. and that. And which it's just crazy because then there was the Russian hack of the emails and, and, they, and, they, and no one cares. No. Everyone's like, oh, we're going to vote for Hillary now. It's like, yeah, yeah, but she was responsible for fucking over Bernie Sanders. So like, yeah. you're a chicken shit if you're going to vote for her, I know. in my opinion. But I think that there was that there's this this footage of like Trump on um, David Letterman or something year, like you know, ages ago, like 250 years ago. And he's saying about, he's saying about like how he's a Democrat, but he would, if he was ever to run for president, oh, right. he would vote, he would run because as a Republican because they're stupid. Yeah. And I was like, dude, like just show that to everyone. Yeah. And then they'll, and it's like the end of the game, you know, well, that's the weird thing about information <clears throat> and the internet and things like that. Now that can be as clear as day. It was. So Everyone why, knows he said it. I just can't wrap they, my head around. They yeah. just they just don't uh, care, and it's the same reason that John Kerry windsurfing lost him an election. Uh-huh. I mean, literally, like, like it's what you were talking about, and where I think you're exactly right yeah. is it's all just distraction. Yeah, and 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 the way that they've steered people's minds, and when I say they, I mean it. I mean, there is the other aspect to this: violence, nonviolence, talking it out, this and that. It could all be bread and circus 
for like eight guys yeah. or women. Yeah. But apparently to the white nationalists, all Jews, by the way. <laughs> it could, it could actually be those aliens we're going to visit someday. We could be a whole other planet could be in charge of us. Uh, don't this, don't I mean, make me unzip uh, myself. I don't want to. Yeah, that's I mean, <laughs> I, like I'm I'm really into like George Norrie and Art Bell and all that stuff, like our our coast to coast. And there was this episode uh, like a couple weeks ago where where and I, and I think it's fake. They were talking about this thing and I went home and watched it on YouTube. And there's there's this interview from like this like 60 something, 1960 something where they're interviewing this alien and um and then there's all the comments. The comments are great. They're they're like, oh, in the future we're gonna have no clothes, you know, because he's like a naked looking, you know, you know, and he's gonna we're gonna speak English. And like, I get it, okay. But like the stuff that the alien says in this interview, just about like humanity and existence and the concept of death and life, is it blew my mind. I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like that, just like aside from it being like this weird science fiction thing and kind of hokey, like. If you could just look at the context of what this creature is saying, or this whoever's behind, if it's fake, whoever made up the dialogue, they nailed it. You know, right. I, I, I wish I could remember what it was. It's like alien interview, like EB four or EBW or something like that. You can, it's on there, and it's on the, it's on the, the internets. You know, and it, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it was pretty impressive. You know, it's where, yeah. yeah, it's all about like these days, like language and control. Like you, you showed me that guy Duncan Trussell, his podcast. He had the, I think he, he had the guy from Coast to Coast. He on did his something really interesting about. on that podcast where he took his favorite verse from the Bible, it was John something or other. Um, oh, and, yeah. and, and in every segment changed God with the programmer and certain other phrases to fit like a modern technology context. Whoa. And literally, I mean, if the Bible doesn't sound directly from the matrix, yeah. essentially, like if you put it that way and it is, and then that's where I start to ask the question of control, you know, yeah. and I can imagine uncle bud Right or yeah. was he uncle cousin Fuck bud? To find whatever out what he bud. Watched. He was good old bud. Like yeah. in in nineteen twenty two, right? Is like a young kid and he's been farming all fucking week. He's been doing all this shit every day. Wakes up at five thirty, goes out there, <clears throat> goes into the house at like six o'clock where it's dark. There's no radio. There's no TV. There's no any outside stimulation. And Sunday, you get to go to this place yeah. where people are singing. There's music. There's like beautiful windows. There's like that was the the reason for the existence of God to totally. someone like Bud. And now, the same like tools are maybe being used in like a media, social media, movies, video games, like all these things to 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 basically like duplicate Sunday. For your mom. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Where, like, like now this is your... Like, if you look at the reality of life long enough, you are going to want to fucking kill yourself most times if you don't believe in religion. So this is the new, the new numbing agent, like, the new thing to get our minds, like, off the fact that, like, we're going to be fucking worm food, just like <laughs> right. Sunday church was, yeah. you know? Beautiful. Let's end on that upbeat note, man. Yeah, but Pokemon <laughs> Go is a new Fuck Sunday you. school. you. You're all worm food. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you. Good job. Thank you to Justin for coming by. Uh, check out Headwind City and Retax on tour. Thanks to Jeremy Baum for guest hosting this. Check out Touche More and their new thanks album. Thanks to uh, Jerry Springer. Stage for four. Keeping it real. Yes. Thanks to Jerry Springer as well. For giving us so much content, um, yeah, that was that. 
If you enjoyed hey, this podcast, oh what? I was going to say the same thing. If you enjoyed it, give us a dollar. If everybody it. who listened to us gave us a dollar, we'd have ten dollars, and that's more than we had coming in. Yeah, no, we would have much more than that. We would. I'm just I'm dumbing it down to, for guilt reasons. Yeah, I get I get that, but don't undersell our millions of listeners. We'd have million. If everyone listening gave us a dollar, we would be millionaires. <laughs> if, if everyone listening gave us a dollar and we became millionaires, you would never hear this podcast again. So keep your money. I, Wait, no, that's not what I, I would. Shit, sorry. Honestly, if I was a millionaire, I would still do this podcast. Listen, I don't know what else I would do. As the voice of reason, we don't have millions of listeners, and we wouldn't be millionaires. What? So please send us a dollar what? at we least. We don't have millions of listeners. <laughs> no, you're all you're all more special than you know. This Don't is, tell Benny. I, you guys should know that every time I have to check how many people download the podcast, I have to like email Brad and be like, how do I log into this thing? <laughs> and then you add a zero. <laughs> yeah, and then I add a couple zeros. I'm like, we... <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Here we are at the end of our podcast. Yeah, so here we are at the end of Rubber Tracks, the end of our podcast. So thanks for forwarding through this shit again. Yeah, thanks for listening. Is there anything important we need to promote now that no one's listening? <laughs> Yeah, we'll do it next time. Next time. Okay, cool. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye.